I believe with every fibre of my being that the course I have set out is the right one for our country and all our people. What has been achieved today is not Brexit. I don't believe this government has negotiated fairly or effectively. Brexit is a lose-lose situation. We have always followed the EU mandate. It is utterly unacceptable to anybody who believes in democracy. Hello and welcome to Brexit The Final Countdown. We have 78 days to go or 11 weeks until Brexit. What are we going to do until after? Um, Forage for food, You are assuming it really is going to happen. Let's see, shall we? I'm kidding. We'll be spending a commemorative 50 pence pieces uh, and eating some delicious, only slightly poorly regulated American food. (laughs) No. Uh, We've got a great guest in the house today. We're joined by Darren Grimes, the most telegenic of Brexiteers. Can we call you that? He's just given me an eye roll. (laughs) (laughs) Too kind. They tend to not be. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, young Brexit campaigner, founder of Believe, and a former fashion student. Mm. Welcome to our humble Thank you very podcast. Much. Yes, I was checking out your skirt on the way in. Actually, it's very pretty. I, oh, we, get on with it! I make a, <laughs> I made a particular effort. We're intelligent people are around. Um, I've also got our regular Paul Baldwin, head of news. Hello, hi. And down the line in Brussels, we have Joe Barnes, our Europe editor. Hello. We've got actually a lot to talk about, so let's begin. <laughs> Okay, it's really law and order week on Brexit, the final countdown this week, isn't it? Because we have another court case, a legal challenge to prevent no deal uh, through suspending Parliament has been allowed to proceed by the Scottish courts. It has. It has. Yes. Uh, I'm over to you on this one, Darren, because I know you were you were interviewing, you were interviewed about this last night on another audio experience. I was, yes, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> what do we think? On Why another your friend, platform. isn't it? Jolly on... How Jolly on Morm, yes, QC. Um, Good at spending people's so yes, money. As I, he quite, and wasting other yeah. people's money. I wish I were. Burning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he crowdfunds these vast sums. Uh-huh. These wealthy Remain activists just seem to be in such a rush to part with their cash. And he loses every single challenge mm-hmm. that he puts forward yeah um he was responsible for the well i know know we'll touch on this later but he was actually responsible for the judicial review into the electoral commission's second investigation into me Mm. where they completely cleared me and he said that wasn't right so he applied pressure through the courts to get them to well open a third investigation and it's the americanization actually of our politics that i really worry about Mm. Because we're now fighting politics through the court system. Yeah. And I, I think that starts to get into really dangerous territory. And actually, we see it with Speaker Burkle's comments last night. Mm-hmm. The politicization of the Speaker is another Americanization. And I'm worried about this sort of partisan politics entering both the so-called impartial mm-hmm. role yeah. and our court Just system. Just super rich people kind of exactly. yeah, tossing law around like it's... I, I do think as well, I, I'm inclined to agree that um, I think when the history books come to be written, we will look at this period and the, the attempts by the politicians to thwart the will of the people and our jaws will drop. Mm. There's been nothing like it since the Cavaliers and the Roundheads were yeah, heads, You know, it's quite because we're in the midst of it. We kind of start, can't really step back from it and look. But there, there are the, the powers, um, the, the people that we give the power to are using it back against the people mm. to thwart their their, um, their, their will. And this parliament bizarre. actually is the longest sitting parliament since the English Civil well, War. Well, there you go. So yeah. Even yeah. more parallel. Like yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, but just to, just for in the interest of balance, yep. so obviously these 70 MPs and the peers who want to get the court of session in Edinburgh to rule that suspending Parliament to make the UK leave the EU without a deal is unlawful and unconstitutional. Leaving without a deal is not without its 
risks. And I know just suspend your optimism about it, everyone, for the time being. So we're talking about, you know, potential recession, drop in the pound, uh, martial law, food shortages, medicine. We know we're aware of that there are some people who the, are concerned. The warnings so do you, are do you, there. Yeah, there are warnings. Yeah, so, right. so do you not think there's the, to then prorogue Parliament and then to take that decision away from elected M, the elected MPs and the people and push through a no deal is is slightly reckless? And and we've been talking for three years about respecting the voice of the British people. So you know, yeah. we should just ask them, just check one more time that or this is Darren, what they want? Absolutely not. Um, and I'll tell you why. Tell me why. During, <laughs> I know what you'd say that. During the EU Withdrawal Act... <laughs> Parliament, there was chances to put forward mm. amendments that would say that we could only leave if there was a deal in place. Parliament rejected that. Parliament knew exactly what it was doing in invoke, invoking rather, Article 50. It was either that we leave with a deal, which they voted down three times, mm. or leave without a deal. Parliament was well aware of that. So to, I think that this has all been a clever ploy to turn around to us now and say we cannot leave because we'd have to leave without a deal. So they try and scuttle out of uh, actually delivering on do the will you, of the people. Do you remember the threat or the promise, depending on how you look at it, of leaving the European Union without a deal? Do you remember that being banded around in 2016? Yeah, it really right. wasn't, was look, it? Look, look at um, some of the facts this morning. Um, in 2016, actually before the referendum, George Osborne, this is what chancellors know, right? George Osborne warned, and I quote, uh, leaving would cause an, quote, immediate and profound shock to output a year-long recession and result in 820,000 people, which is a very accurate number, paying with their jobs. Now, this morning, um, we have we have um, employment at a record high. But we haven't left yet, history. have we? No, no, but, this, no, but he wasn't saying that after you left. He said, it's if you vote for Brexit, the other side of the Brexit vote, oh, oh, this on, catastrophe will befall us. And it it's hasn't. true. They said We've got... If Sorry, you just, let me just do the and, facts. And it's actually delivered on. I We've got more we EU workers in Britain than than ever before. Eighty-eight thousand more this year. So the, the the disconnect between the politicians and the, and the the reality of people coming to Britain is shown up again. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, employment at the highest level ever, and three and four of the new the new jobs in the last year have been women. By the way, Rebecca. And then I know. I'm, all, I'm one of them. Here the I am. Stuff. Thank God. Um, I, you know, it's. <laughs> The catastrophe has not befallen us yet, so I think we need to grit our teeth and see. You know, um, there, there are always going to be warnings from vested interests, and, and the opposition, of course, there are. That's politics. And we've seen actually this morning that Germany is being bandied about terms in other papers which yeah. aren't as good as this one oh. are, are being referred to as a, a, the laggard of the eurozone. Good grief! So good they're grief. hardly prospering over there. That's some shade. I'm sure they'll yeah. blame that on Brexit somehow, won't they? Joe, what do you think? You're very quiet down the line. Um, I am. I'm just listening. I'm quite intrigued um so going back to we're talking about kind of no deal now um, darren i remember in march of this year you penned a piece for the sunday express i did yeah about theresa may's deal do you still kind of stand by that comment and um let me just you're about to drop some bombshells in there people so, who haven't collected every darren, issue darren, of the sunday darren, express darren wrote that theresa may's withdrawal agreement is now the best brexit we're going to get do you, so do you stand by that do you still think that that is the only with the kind of the establishment kickoff that's going on. Do you still think that is the only way to deliver Brexit? At that time, when I wrote that piece, it was absolutely the case because we had a Chancellor in Philip Hammond who was going around telling European leaders that we would never leave without a deal. We had a Prime Minister who was quite clearly not willing to countenance ever leaving without a deal. So there was no genuine threat. So that deal was the only deal that we could actually negotiate with the European Union because we didn't have any other credible alternative. What we've seen since Theresa May actually left um, is 
a government that's taken it seriously, that is starting to really invest in ensuring, because there are risks attached mm-hmm. to a no-deal Brexit. That is absolutely true. But those risks can be mitigated, if not entirely removed, by actually investing and planning mm-hmm. and ensuring that this country... We saw with uh, Simon Wolfson yesterday saying that Next is actually ready, and he's so delighted to actually see that HMRC and the government are starting to finally get yeah. their ducks in a row, and that comes from the government actually having a plan. So, yes, I stand by that piece at the time, but I've, I certainly think that we can now secure a better deal, and I know we're going to come on mm. to that I mean, you've later. said that you finally feel like Brexit... There's some teeth to people fighting exactly. for Brexit. We have a Brexiteer cabinet, we have a Brexiteer prime minister. It's kind of finally the institutions that were maybe resisting it until now have. have what, what do you think, Joe? Do you think the government has a plan? Dominic Cummins is a man with a plan. I'm sure Darren met him at his time during their kind of the vote leave. And I mean, once leave. or twice, I wouldn't say we're bezies. It's no. not on my Christmas card <laughs> well, list. No. I always no. get, I truly get him confused with Benedict Cumberbatch now all the time. <laughs> so that's how stupid. I, I, and I, I, I do. I, I think that's boosted his political career as well, actually. But Dominic Cummings is clearly a very intelligent bloke and he knows what mm-hmm. he's doing. In, so he has a plan, yes. Whether that plan is to force a deal out of the EU or whether it is actually generally leave with a deal, we won't, or without a deal, yeah. sorry, we won't find out until that, October the 31st. That segues nicely back to the script, actually. Thank you, oh, Joe, and everyone it. else. Um, <laughs> because we're having, because yeah, there's all this excitement about <laughs> uh, this court case, etc. but maybe it's all just bluster because haven't we had, isn't Boris booked a load of flights to European cities before the G7 to, is this, is, am I right? Am I flight tracking right? He, you, he, he has, and we've touched on this before, that it is like uh, the transfer window and... Nothing is done until the very last minute of the very last hour of the very last day, because why would it be? Why would you show your hand? Why would you do the deal before you had to? It's um, I, I I don't know about you, um, Joe Darren, but my feeling is that there is still a deal to be done, and the hardball we're not coming back to the table will. There's a distinct possibility that that could change, but you can't do that without Boris saying, "I'm going to prorogue Parliament." And I mean it. And I'm going to leave the EU without a deal. Yeah. And so, I mean it. So, Darren, is it just theatre? I no. I, I think it's genuine. Pantomime. I think it's serious. I think Dominic Cummings is a serious man. Certainly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Agreed. And, uh, therefore, I think finally Brussels will start to think that we are actually genuine in what we say. That mm. This is a government that isn't just you know vacuous statements like Brexit means Brexit. Oh, yeah. just repeating that no deal is better than a bad deal. And, and actually, then you say a bad deal is the best deal that we can get. And it was all very confusing. And express readers <laughs> just wanted to pull their hair out. Um, they don't have any, but no. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yes. Um, so it, was, was... Um, it was interesting that the poll, can we do the poll now? Yeah, we can talk we about your poll. The poll that we, we ran yesterday about... Uh, proroguing Parliament. Proroguing Parliament, i.e. Um, taking away the power of parliament to stop brexit and letting boris get on with it in a, in a unprecedented almost unprecedented way um 91 when i last checked 91 percent of our readers that took part in the poll said yeah absolutely just Let's just, do just kick out the um <laughs> the mps that are trying to stop mm. brexit and get on with it yeah which i thought was massively instructive and our poll is is unassailable, unlike that. Well, obviously, it's express readers. Fifty-four percent from comrades. We have a we have a worldview. Um, it's, it's got people. There's lots of threads about that poll on Twitter. There are. I and imagine I, you've seen them. Well, I not only that, I had to check the actual. I went back to the actual comrades um, figures themselves yesterday, mm. and what the Telegraph had done was 
take out the don't knows because it was yeah. 19% don't yeah, knows. I think it was 44% for, 37% against, 90% don't knows. And they'd taken out the 19% and then readjusted the two, the forwards and against. Yeah, uh, yeah this uh, is still more people. So it was, yeah, exactly. It was, but that was the point. The point was that uh, of those who expressed a preference, more people Just get on with it. wanted to And let's be honest, program. look at those people's vote um, mm. polls. They they talk about uh, the people having a final say. Yeah. Now, anyone at home, yeah, I bet there's even express readers thinking, oh, well, actually, the fi- what does the final say actually mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Is that leaving just without a deal? What does yeah. that mean? Yeah. And therefore, th- these are very misleading questions that are put mm. to people in yeah. these polls. And actually, let's be honest, Poland's hardly been fantastic. They haven't got it so, right. No, they right. haven't. This idea that there should be another vote and, and a second um, referendum. This is actually going to be the third referendum. Because we had a referendum to whether we stayed or leave in um, 1975. But we weren't around and for that one. No, just no, during no, no, but still. And myself. But still, here's what happened. We decided to stay and the leavers didn't all start moaning and say, oh, we need another one, we need another one. That wasn't the right answer. We just got on with it. Mm. And, you know, uh, it's it's maybe it's indicative of a, of a more... Um, disciplined age i don't know but Back you know the, yeah. welsh referendum as well that yeah. was that was by a whisker that they got that through and not and, a single um, you know terrible what would we be talking about without brexit and we wouldn't be in jobs if it had <laughs> if if it wasn't being questioned that's what i'm thinking it's like a cottage industry everything <laughs> around it um no i mean it's still it's just such a huge thing that um, it's a huge what, what thing else, what else, what else would we talk about that you people know? To us it makes too. everything else seem uh, like a poor second best till we sort this out yeah agreed yeah. um so we're back Parliament come back in September and there could be a no confidence vote in Boris as early as the 3rd of September. Diane Abbott, um, our favourite and yours, uh, were, was on the Radio 4 on Monday saying that it's kind of a no brainer that that will happen. And if he were to lose a no confidence vote, um, well, firstly, that would be kind of fascinating, wouldn't it? It would be a cause for an emergency podcast. But then like what what happens? Do you think he will? And then how do we feel about Caroline Lucas's proposed all female emergency cabinet? I mean, I met Diana but once, actually. I'm giving yeah. you a bit of an exclusive oh my God. here. Was I she drinking I, a mojito? No, she wasn't. Oh. We were doing a, a BBC Any Questions recording. Mm. I said, hi, Diana, I'm Darren. It's nice to meet you. And she said, I know who you are. And then didn't speak to me for the rest <laughs> of the But anyway, oh. um, moving on. Um, <laughs> That's a bit rude. Isn't that nice? What, what, a, what um, a nice lady. I, I think that goes to show what sort of calibre the <laughs> type of MP is that wants to um, mm-hmm. have no confidence in, in the Prime Minister. Um, I think that what we are seeing in some of this polling, which I have just rubbished moments ago, <laughs> um, is that there is support out there in the country for Boris. And there, you are starting to see a bounce in, mm. in the polls um, for Boris. So I actually think they're playing a pretty dangerous game. And they haven't got the numbers, have they, probably, to force it? I don't think so. I no. don't think so. I mean, people like Hammond are obviously waving their willies a little bit. But, oh, um, yeah, good morning to Mr. Hammond. <laughs> yeah, good morning. He's everywhere this morning, isn't he? Yeah. Exactly. Morning, morning glory for yeah. Mr. Hammond. Oh, God, that's revolting. That's revolting. Yeah. <laughs> God, bleep that out. Thank God I didn't have not an image. <laughs> that's not an image anyone wants <laughs> in their head. Thanks very much, Rebecca. It's just because if we can put rude things in the tags, more people listen, Darren. That's why I do it. Um, So yes, we've got a few Remainers who are out there kind of, yeah, writing columns and hijacking the 810 slot on the Today programme. But so we're we're not concerned about Boris and a a vote of no confidence, vote of confidence in Parliament in September. I'm not actually. I think this momentum's doing them the world of good. I think actually having the, because Theresa May never really did this. She never had sort of themed weeks 
I'm not talking yeah. about yeah. like sort of masked balls. Yeah. 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 But you know, she's got the NHS. He rather, Boris, yeah. had the NHS this week. It was law and order. Yeah. Um, is law and order. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think actually he is starting to really build it's, momentum. Yeah, it's very general election, isn't it? it we, is. Yeah, we're, yeah. When you know, like you're saying, there is one show in town which is Brexit, but he's not ignoring. Yeah. Knife crime, which seems to be no, some he's, schools. It's something that the Prime Minister, the former Prime Minister, didn't seem to actually manage to do ever. Yeah, yeah. Put to yeah, gender stereotyping on multitasking. He's, she um, was terrible at it. Whereas yeah, he no. seems maybe it's because he's surrounded by so many capable women. I don't know. It almost certainly, I would think. Um, like all that exposure. Yeah, it's a good rule for life, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I, I do think um, Boris is. He's. Um, he's. He's. I was going to say he's sort of stealing the Labour Party's clothes, but he's stealing everybody's clothes at the moment. Mm. He's. He's becoming the. Um, He's not really an old school conservative. Just he's just um, a party of of the pragmatist, basically. Mm. But he's ticking so many boxes for the British public. I think at the minute now there are bigger questions on how we pay for it, and and they will come pretty quickly down the line. I would think. Mm. But right now, what he's doing and what he's doing with the prisons, what he's doing with the Northern Investment, mm. what he's doing with the police, what he's doing, you know, it's tick 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 all the way at the minute. And uh, and. It's obviously um, sort of divvying up for an election, but it's also it's just what it's what we've wanted to hear for years, really. Yeah. And um, whether it's whether it's sense, achievable, it? it's very common sense. It's yeah, yeah uh, it's the kind of thing we've been moaning about in newspaper leader columns for years. Mm. And he's sort so, of yeah. um, and he's he's at least tackling them head on. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We touched on Philip Hammond just very briefly there in his. Um, his enthusiasm this morning. Um, I assume you've all read his op- uh, the article in the Times. I, I never missed a word that Philip right. Hammond says. Yeah. I mean, such an interesting man. He's kind. Of, he's kind of got a point though. There isn't a mandate for No Deal because no one ever met. Never the when we we all got so excited in 2016. It wasn't about leaving without a deal, and it wasn't about the potential risks. I know we we aren't buying into the risks, but it wasn't about that, was it? And also, no one. We weren't talking about the potential breakup of the union. Like he. There, there is a point. He's kind of got a point, hasn't he? I mean, Change Britain have put out a clip this morning showing him in February when he was foreign secretary mm. before the referendum. Or actually, it would have been during the referendum, not the yeah. campaign proper, but during the referendum. And he stood up and said, you know, if, if actually we don't secure a deal at the end of that two-year period, he was talking about basically the risks of a leave mm-hmm. vote. And he mentioned World Trade Organization terms. No, and David Cameron, in his interview with, I think it was Sky News, mm-hmm. he said himself that after that two-year period, he uh, he suggested that you would invoke Article 50 the week after or whatever. Yeah. Or at the EU Council, which I think was in the following July after the referendum. Um, and he suggested himself that the consequence of not securing a deal in that after that two-year period of Article 50 mm-hmm. would be to leave on World Trade Organization terms. And actually, I don't. Act- we didn't speak about leaving with a deal because we spoke more about existential things like democracy mm-hmm. and uh, well, leaving the European Union, yeah. even the institutions of the European Union. No one spoke about a withdrawal agreement that ties us in, no. shackles us into the back seat of the Brussels car, which yeah. is going off in a direction that none of us like. Yeah. Okay, Joe. What do you think? Coming on this. Well, so this is this is the point we're talking about having a mandate for No Deal, Article Fifty, which MPs were made to vote for. Um, by Gina Miller's court case all that time ago. And so point three of Article 50 says, the treaty shall cease to apply to the state in question from the date of entry to force a withdrawal agreement or failing that two years after the notification referred to in paragraph two. We've obviously extended that because you can with unanimous decisions 
But Article 50 says if you haven't got a deal after two years or when you allow Article 50 to lapse, yeah. you leave without a deal. That's quite simple. So we think, what, waste of waste of paper in the Times today? Well, well what I do think Hammond was, was moaning about, and it is a moan, is that he's disappointed that the people who took part in the referendum weren't brilliantly incisive political commentators uh, with full knowledge of every aspect of international law, mm-hmm. um, rather than being my mum, right? Which is, but it's, it's, it's insane to think that these people didn't know the minutiae of yeah. European law. Of course we didn't know the minutiae of European law. We voted for a principle, mm-hmm. is what we voted for. And that principle is, remains the same today as it, as it was. I mean, did we know it was going to be no deal or, or whatever? We, we didn't know. We voted for the principle and the principle still stands. And I think people like Hammond are just fundamentally technocrats that don't get why people voted to leave the EU. You know, they keep quoting all of these international quangles with acronyms that, you know, have come forward and said, oh, you're going to be poorer. And tell that to communities like that where I come from in County Durham. Tell Uh them they're going to be poorer when they feel that they've got nothing, when their vote means nothing, their voice means nothing. Mm -hmm. Tell them that some international quango that they won't be able to pronounce and it's got some bizarre acronym that if Philip Hammond bandies about in the pages of the Times... Mm -hmm. They're going to tell you, right, okay, okay. get on with it. Yeah. We've ordered to leave, bloody crack on. Yeah. You have incredible discipline on this because we wanted to now pivot to your kind of story, which is, which is kind of exactly that, isn't it? That you come from a working class community in mm-hmm. the north mm-hmm. east. East, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just checking my geography. Two um, professional northerners in the room this morning. You've <laughs> <laughs> um, assimilated very well, actually. Oh, thanks very much. Um, and I, I have sort of struggled to understand why working class communities voted for Brexit completely admitted have held my hands up for that but i'm kind of interested to hear your story mm. so labor fa- labor voting family yeah historically mm-hmm. and then what the hell happened you were a fashion student into kanye west and now look at you i mean granddad was a minor mm-hmm. so it, labor goes way back in the through the family um and it wasn't until i can remember actually in 2017 um granddad pulled me to one side and said um i'm i'm going to i'm going to back her said, what are you talking about? He said, I'm, I'm going to vote for Theresa. And I honestly almost fell down backwards because I thought this is that former trade unionist yeah. turning around and telling me he's voting Tory. Mm-hmm. And it's because of Brexit, right? It's because people feel that the Labour Party is cares more about voices in London coffee houses yeah. than it does actually in, in seats, traditional heartlands. And I think it's taken for granted for such a long time. Mm-hmm. And finally, they just thought, you know what? I've had enough. And I think you're starting to see that sort of demographic shift where I think... Boris is the perfect Tory leader in many ways because he's able to appeal to people like my family. Mm. I remember I introduced him at a rally in Newcastle during the referendum and I thought, oh, this is, how's this going to go? Tough crowd. A room of 500 people Mm. and he got a standing ovation. This is a Tory, an old Etonian, getting a standing ovation in Newcastle. Yeah, Um, strange, isn't it? It was incredible. He's got this sort of, and that's why I'm so excited and I do feel really, really enthused by this government. Um, but I think another thing that annoys me quite a lot about the, the the sort of this idea that communities like that where I come from voted to leave the European Union because they are left behind. They're, they are the left behind. This gets, yeah, this it gets, gets bandied about around, a lot, doesn't yeah. it? And I think that's actually incredibly offensive because the the sort of insinuation, the assertion there is that these communities are too thick 
to like uh, to totally be able think. to actually mm. think, oh, okay, okay, I don't actually think the European Union works. I mean, my mum has been Eurosceptic longer than I think, uh, well, certainly longer than any prominent politician at the minute has been. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about things like, oh, we need to... I remember when I was a kid, her screaming at Channel 4 News. I actually grew up with Channel 4 News on the telly. It's amazing. I'm not what, a bloody communist. What a terrible job um, they did. Exactly. <laughs> and, and she would scream at the television about, why are all these bloody laws coming from Brussels? And actually, it wasn't until later on that, you know, I read about all of this stuff and 50% of the laws of this country have come from Brussels since I was born. Mm-hmm. You know, that's incredible. What does that say about democratic accountability in this country? Yeah. And we were having those conversations. So I find it really offensive that they, they just say, yeah. oh, well, they just wanted to clobber the political class. There was an element of that. Yeah. And my God, did it feel good to yeah, do it. Yeah, Watching really. Cameron, you know, lose his job and after being so arrogant during that referendum was amazing. Well, the whole, yeah, I mean, there was total complacency, wasn't there? Exactly. That everyone was just going to, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. I, I, that. I think that's why they're so against this idea of pro-Rogan because it's the ultimate... Right, on your bikes a lot. <laughs> exactly, mm. yeah. Mm. And the, the power dynamic has the shifted. The power dynamic has absolutely shifted, yeah. Do you yeah. find the comparisons with kind of what happened in America with Trump to what happened in working class communities here with Brexit kind of fair or... Because that kind of, it all kind of gets thrown around a lot, like kind of populism and all that stuff. I'm fascinated now. I, yeah, I, I actually don't think that you can say that wanting to be... Basically, whenever... So this gets put to me a lot by Americans. Mm-hmm. And they always say, oh, but, you know, it's just a populist movement. You're going to be poorer, et cetera, et cetera. And I turn around to them and say, can you imagine if America was in a political union with Canada and it was Canadian courts that decided what happened in America? Mm-hmm. Would you be all right with that? Yeah. No. And it, right. and they start to think about it a yeah. bit more, and you've just got to you've got to make that absolutely clear. You know, this is one of the oldest, most cherished democracies in the world that is losing more and more powers to a remote and unaccountable elite in Brussels. Mm. So it made yeah. perfect sense, makes I think, for sense. communities like that where I'm from to vote leave. If you were on the other side and you were advising the Labour Party, what on earth would you tell them to do? How did how do you reconcile this? Like you've talked about this kind mm-hmm. of like bipolar kind of identity yeah. they've got it's, but, but, it's well, people Darren like Twitch, it. they, they, it's, it's linked and keen between the easily yeah, quinoa and the munchers the and yeah, yeah. like what yeah. the power do you do i think that they're they've made their decision now i think that they are the party of emily thornbury you know a shadow foreign secretary that's mm-hmm. saying they are the party of remain islington yeah. south exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah they are the party of islington south that yeah. that is what they are yeah. and communities like that where I'm from, have been completely let down and betrayed by a party that they have voted for time and time again with absolute loyalty. Yeah. But I think we have to accept that, that that's, that's the Labour it. Party now. It's it's done. Yeah. And the Conservative Party has to realise too, actually, that it is no longer the party of... of I think it is probably going to lose some seats in some Lib Dem facing yeah. seats yeah. Um, because of this Remain Leave Act. But, yeah. but if it is to become the party of Brexit, and it has to. Well, we've, we've said yeah. this, the Liberal Democrats will pick up, exactly. they'll be clear on yeah. where they stand. Yeah. If you're allowed to have an opinion on either side of the Brexit mm. fence, that's absolutely fine. But let's be clear about it. And the Labour Party have, have been, have just obfuscated. Yeah, there's budget to try and appease. Exactly. Yeah. That clobbers Labour as well, though, doesn't it? The Lib Dem. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So because if you're a mega, mega Remainer, you're mm-hmm. voting Lib Dem. Exactly. And if you're an out-and-out Leaver, you're Brexit party, Tory... If yeah. Boris pulls this off, I think the Brexit party will have turned out to be a flash in the pan. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm inclined to, yeah. to agree. Where, where do you stand? Are you grateful for the Brexit party? or? Yeah. Entirely, yeah. I voted for them in the Euros. Okay. Um, be- and out of sheer desperation. 
I'm a member of the Conservatives. They can throw me out for saying that if they want. Um, but they wouldn't dare. I just pull heart on your sleeve. You know, people are, people are okay with people who are honest about their mm. political affiliations mm-hmm. and their political beliefs. That's cool. It's the fudging and the obfuscation yeah. and the and the weasel words that we 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 dislike immensely. Exactly. Brits, yeah. Know. Exactly. Yeah. Joe, oh. are you, are you, do you want to come in on any of this? I'm 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 I'm, I'm what I'm quite interested to know, Darren. Do you feel that the Conservative Party under Boris will have to come up with some sort of electoral pact with the Brexit Party? Because um, so I spent a lot of time living in Liverpool in the outer kind of perimeter of the North West. Sorry, Joe, three professional Northerners. I forgot. Will never vote Damn. Tory. <laughs> I think I counsel you all out with my vows. I'm a citizen of of the UK. So a lot of the people that voted for Claire Fox would never dream of voting Conservative in their life in the North West, in the Wiggins, in the Warringtons, in the Runcorns. So why are they going to shift over to the Tories? So this is how did Boris Well, it's interesting, actually, because um, my my mum didn't actually vote Tory in 2017. And you know why that was? You remember mm. when Theresa May announced that she would call, well, she would hold a free vote on fox hunting? Mm. Yes. And my mum was like, what? Mm. And, well, despite the fact she's never seen a fox in her life. Yeah. Um, is she, she a friend she was, of the foxes? Uh, yeah, she's, yeah. I, I, but actually, I think millions of people are in this country. They're just, they think of them as these lovely... Yeah, no. But if you live in London and the little mites are <laughs> everywhere, it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. We're, we're farthing wood foxes on this podcast. Save the fox. <laughs> Save the fox. Um, and I think the Tories can appeal. She was on the fence. She was almost there. She almost got past that hurdle of being this woman who absolutely despises everything that Margaret Thatcher stood for and thought, actually, maybe the Conservative Party, I like everything that they're saying on, you know, standing up for working class communities of delivering Brexit. And she thought, right, maybe, maybe I'm almost there. And then Theresa May went and opened a big gob. And, and we were back to square one. So I think Boris is probably ideally placed out of every single conservative member of parliament to be able to break through and actually appeal to these voters i think actually i think once people realize that claire fox has said some pretty horrendous yeah. things on the ira and things it's it, so and i love her to pieces don't get me wrong she's absolutely fantastic but i, I don't actually think that claire fox and the brexit party are the complete and utter you know they're not the silver bullet that people make them out to be yeah. i don't think they're people were just desperate in those european elections um yeah and i think they they will eventually come to a, a sort of on pass where they've got to try and marry a thatcherite nigel farage with a marxist communist claire fox you know how do they marry those two things yeah. up yeah. they're not really compatible with each other so i hope that in a general election and if boris sticks true to his word that people actually start to think about that and and decide to vote, I think, which will be in the national interest yeah. for Boris. We were saying last week that it's a they're a, a brilliant pressure group almost, and exactly. and they for, yeah, and they did exactly and they and they forced the Tories to do what they did to do. Yeah. They've kind of pushed Labour to some sort of although vague um, concrete promise on Brexit. Although they did get very. Um, Miffed last week when we said they were a pressure group and they need to back away a little bit now. We just miffed them again then, didn't we? I know, I'm sorry about that Brexit party, but grow a slightly thicker skin. If you're going to be be in politics, you need to, you know, rhino hides the thing, not butterfly wings. Very true. Um, So we convene every week. What, what, if anything, will have happened by this time next week? Will we have, are we going to be even more excited about a US trade deal? Uh, I'm trying to think what else might have happened. There, there will be, well, Boris might have started the phone calls 
into oh, Europe. Oh, what, to the Euro? Oh, is it just a phone call? I thought, I thought it was a face-to-face. Oh, I don't... Um, Joe, no, do you... no, he's, he's, he's expected um, to go to see Macron and to go and see Merkel in Paris and Berlin Gosh. ahead of the G7 summit. And I know for the last kind of three podcasts I've been talking up to the G7 summit as this big kind of moment. It's Boris's first go on the world stage. And Carrie's. And Can't wait. What's she going to wear? Can't um, wait. I presume she'll be there. Um, but what, what Europe thinks is basically, is Boris going to side with Donald Trump, which the early indications and kind of the briefings out of Downing Street this morning or last night indicate, or yeah. is he going to try and side with Europe and then entice them into a compromise with less hardline rhetoric by going, come on, let's do a deal. It's in both of our interests. What's your feeling? But, um, I think from the briefings this morning out of Downing Street or coming out in the papers this morning that he's going to go and speak to Donald Trump and this whole thing with Jonathan Bolton, uh, John Bolton, sorry, Jonathan, is, is um, the trade deal is a big part of his kind of campaign against Europe to show that no deal is a serious... He probably needs to position himself there, doesn't he, so he can go in harder than ever for the for the for when he starts the proper negotiations, right? Exactly, but what we've got to remember is Merkel, Macron, uh, Leo Varadkar, who they're all kind of pending and agreed to meetings with, have all said the one Brexit negotiator is the European Commission, and they're not going to actually hold any substantial talks. So last night, Simon Coveney, who's Leo Varadkar's deputy, said, I don't expect anything to really come out of the meeting. It won't solve anything. It It might just act as a nice conversation. So I think when September comes around, um, David Frost, who's the new Ollie Robbins, new new European Sherpa, yeah. and Boris Johnson will have to be out in the Commission. They'll have to be seeing Juncker, they'll have to be seeing Barnier, and actually trying to show what Europe wants is that they have an alternative solution to the backstop. Then mm. the backstop could disappear. What, uh, no, I want your ex. Sorry. I'm a bit worried by the, the fact that in Ireland, there's this amateur as as, as Taoiseach because <laughs> Ireland will be hit hardest in yeah. the, the most severe fashion out I, of... I uh, think the word yesterday yeah. was um, the F- effed. Was, effed. Yeah, <laughs> yes. the quotes of the yeah, side yeah. as you see this yeah, cabinet yeah. Poor Ireland. I mean, yeah. you know, we talk about British farmers. Irish farmers would be up Poo Creek without yeah. a paddle. Ireland is our second biggest export market after the US. Exactly. Yeah. But, but actually going back to the US, yeah. what I think will happen over the next week is that, you know, the left and remain lot will scream about chlorinated chicken because apparently free trade is all right when it's with the eu i've, I've mentioned that about a hundred times in the podcast i'm, t- I'm that's kind of gross though and the poor animals it, so don't buy it it would be labeled chlorinated chicken you don't have to buy it but if it's cheaper yeah, for but, poorer consumers you, they can decide to buy it but we don't they? want declining food standards do we I, we have a beastie crisis we don't need everyone eating bloody f- Chlorinated chicken. But how's it? Chlorinated chicken doesn't make you fatter. It's just don't chicken. know. It won't make you fatter. I need. I'm looking for all the excuses. It just, it just I like. sounds awful. It does. Yeah. It's just but then don't buy food it. Processing. Yeah. But then no, you have. It's... Okay, fine. So don't buy it. But then there'll be a premium. Have you, have you there'll eaten be chicken a... in America. Exactly. No. Well, I don't, I don't I eat chicken. Well, I have loads of times, and it's. I feel all right. I know. I know you take my pescatarian beliefs. Probably got a much cleaner colon for it, actually. Oh no, you're not a vegetarian. I'm a pescatarian. Oh, oh we've got Greta Thunberg at the table. I didn't realise. If I could get it on, get on the cover of GQ, I would. I'd say anything. Um, but we don't want a premium on on quality food, do we? Because that just that that that's kind of. A, that's one good thing about British food, actually, is that there is a premium to it, mm. and therefore that's why exports of British food and drink have been going up. Yeah. Um, and that's one export market that 
in our future free trade agreements we can really exploit. Mm -hmm. And so people have this demand for the premium food and the brand Britain, basically. But I think going back to the John Bolton point, um, I think it's really important that we start to talk about the benefits of free trade because we're sort of talking about, oh, well, we'll do it on this sector, we'll do it on that sector, but not. And Boris, I think, can be a real champion for free trade because it's free trade. It, we think of it as a sort of zero-sum game. It's yeah. mutually beneficial for both sides if we have a free trade agreement. There are We are the biggest investors in each other's economies mm. and a million people go to work uh, in America from who are from the UK every single day uh, to work for their companies and vice versa. And I think that's an amazing thing. And we can really exploit that and build on that. And that's the one negotiating, I think, tool or chip in Theresa May's armory that she didn't actually exploit was the idea that we've got this sort of sympathetic president in the US who she could turn around to and say, well, I, you know, I'm sort of dumping you, mate. Mm. I'm going off with this yeah. sexy blonde hunk in America and signing a free trade agreement with him instead. <laughs> and then, uh, then the U EU would start to think, "Ooh, well, I want me a slice of that." A why, 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 why is that not happening? Exactly. There mm. we are. At the price of carving up the NHS. Uh, the NHS. I mean, Donald Trump himself said that the NHS wouldn't be on the table. But I think he actually, said a few things, though, hasn't he, yeah, Darren? Uh, in his time, uh, I'm not sure. he has. He has some of them most disagreeable, but some of them actually quite canny, in my opinion. But <laughs> he, I actually think you've got to you've got to look at what that actually would mean, and that would mean that some things that we it, that the NHS does, which are already in in private hand, like for example, Virgin PFI contracts, if if the U.S. can sell us medicines, if the U.S. can sell us sort of equipment that our doctors and nurses can use cheaper mm. than we can get them from elsewhere, why is that not a good thing for the taxpayer and the National because Health Service? Because the Virgin PFI contract enabled Richard Branson to sue the NHS, like that. But that enabled that enabled Richard Branson to sue the NHS. The Virgin PFI contracts, like, do we? Is that the? Is that how, where you want your? Precious taxpayer money going to fighting. Richard, I mean, PFIs Richard weren't Richard. weren't brilliant, and I think the way that they were set up wasn't brilliant either. But again, going back to the point of cheaper medicines and cheaper equipment, how can that be? How can you argue against that? Yeah. As long as a chlorinated chicken doesn't. NHS budgeting has yeah. been for years notoriously, uh, ridiculously poor. Mm. They seem to get a worse deal than you can get in boots exactly. on on basic drugs. Yeah. No, seriously. Yeah. Um, there's story after story after story. And it, and how can you have that much? They've got um, the, the NHS budget is like equivalent to the GDP of major countries like Pakistan. It's huge, colossal. It sh they should have the more the most buying power of any uh, public body or any, in the world. And they mm. don't. They're just rubbish at negotiating. This is like reasons to be cheerful. I feel like I'm on the Ed Miliband <laughs> podcast. This is fantastic. I can't wait. Can't we do it now? Um, that was brilliant. Darren, thank you so, so much for coming in. It's been lovely sharing some time with you and hearing... All you've got to say. Thanks very Hasn't much. Hasn't it been great, Paul? It has been nice. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Cheers. Well, I, I wanted to ask another question. I'll ask him one. Final question, Darren. Right. <laughs> I just I noticed you, you style yourself as a you're 22, 23. I'm, no, no, when I'm not. No, that was 22 during oh, the referendum. <laughs> I'm <laughs> older <laughs> now. I, I think I'll just be one of those people that people always assume oh, is in their no, early 20s. stick with your showbiz age. Yeah. 23. <laughs> how, how old are you now? I'm 26 now. 26. Yeah, that doesn't man. really work as well. But you style yourself as a, as a Geordie... The Spectator just wrote a piece. Jacob Rees-Mogg. A, a Geordie Jacob Rees-Mogg. And I thought it was quite funny. I was, I was just going to say. Put it on your Tinder. Isn't, isn't it hard being so uncool? 
Um, I actually think a lot of millennials really like Jacob Rees-Mogg because he's got that sort of authenticity and sort of cheeky chappy. Uh, he goes against the grain. He's a bit of a hipster, actually. Yeah. So I don't think you he's can very say he's not cool. He's very shortish. Okay. He's heard that, that before. Darren Truly, thank you so thank you. much. Thank you. Paul, thank you. Thank you. Joe, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Brexit The Final Countdown. If you like what you heard, make sure you click subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, you could always leave us a review.